One of the biggest keys to my success is my ongoing desire to grow and invest in myself. When I say investing, I mean time, energy, and money. One of the biggest blocks I see with new leaders is the belief that asking for help equals failure, when in reality, that is the key to successful leadership. So if you are a leader who deeply cares about the people that you lead and you've got big goals ahead of you this year, now is the time to apply for our next cohort of Inside Out Leadership. Inside Out Leadership will provide the container and inspiration for growth so that you can overcome the people obstacles and build a thriving, empowered team. Head on over to aaronthorpe.ca forward slash inside out and enter your name and email and fill out the application. I will personally reach out to discuss our next steps. Hello and welcome back to the Tactical Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Thorpe. Today's show is particularly exciting for me. My guest is Ryan Anglin, who is a force in the hiring uh, industry. Ryan is disruptive. When he speaks, you will get a sense of an energy that you really haven't felt before. He's passionate about supporting small businesses in blue-collar industries, and since 2011 is the CEO of Core Matters. His company focuses on the issues of high turnover or high growth and helps businesses do what they need to do to fill open positions in their company, but he does it in a way that really leverages this tool of empathy. And Ryan and I dive into a great conversation. He shares with us some real examples of how he supports business owners to hire people and to find the right fit, all while using this tool of empathy. Uh, Near the end, Ryan talks about empathy traps um, that he sets up for himself to remind himself to lead with this tool. So I encourage you to listen all the way to the end. And if you would like to get in touch with Ryan, all of his details are included in the show notes, as well as a link to get a free copy of his recently published book, Hire Better People Faster. I can't wait for you to dive in. So let's get over to the show. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for coming to the show today. Oh, thank you for the invite. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, excellent. Um, so I want to dive right in. Tell us a little bit about you and the leadership roles that you've held um, before we get into kind of why we're here. Well, I learned uh, a lot of the leadership do's and don'ts mm-hmm. <laughs> in my time at corporate. So once I got out of college, I had majored in global business management with an emphasis in human resources. And um, I got into corporate mm-hmm. and I uh, was in banking and ended up managing teams. Um, I think my largest team I ever managed direct reports was 31. Mm -hmm. And uh, I learned a lot of what to do and what not to do during that time. Uh, A lot of school hard knocks. Let's say that. Yeah, for sure. 31 people. That's a big team. It was a very big team. That is a big team. So what do you do now? Well, as far as leadership goes. Yeah. What leadership um, roles do you have now? Yeah, well, I'm the founder and CEO of Core Matters. Okay. And um, so I'm leading my team as well as the work that we do with the coaching and consulting work with our clients is we often are leading them as well. Yeah. Uh, And uh, what I've learned over the years, and this is something that's a bit of a challenge. Some people like to be told what to do, Mm -hmm. but most people don't like to be told what to do. Yes, I would agree with that. 
Even and, if they come and say, solve my problem for me. Yeah. 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 They, they're just like, yeah, I want you to solve it, but I want you to do it my way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your way. Why Keep doing here? it the way that I've tried that doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of the leadership skills that I developed, um, I got into sales and my mentor mm. at the time handed me book after book after book after book. And I've probably read, I don't know, close to 200 books on leadership and team building and uh, company culture and relationships and communication. And it's that culmination of all that reading yeah. that I think has really helped with developing me as a leader as well. Of course, reading is one thing. You yeah. to do it after that. I was just going to say that the part of like why this podcast exists is because people ask me all the time. They're like, okay, we get what empathy is. You, you know, we've watched the things we've read the books we've done. How do you do it? You know, mm. like, what does it actually look like? Um, and how do I not just become this like real softy, right? Like how do I still get things done? Cause there's yeah. this real perception. So I'd love to, before we kind of dive into like, how would you go about doing that? What does empathy mean to you in terms of leadership? Like what's your... You know, I think this is one of those things that there's probably a dozen different definitions. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, empathy is less about the the intellectual, the understanding, and empathy is more about the feeling that yeah. someone else is going through, uh, walking a mile in their shoes, if you will. Yeah. And it's interesting, as I was getting ready for this show, I was, I was thinking, where do I apply that a lot? And it and yesterday I was doing a, a presentation for about 15 business owners. We were doing a workshop and I said something to them. And it was in that moment that I go, that's how I'm coaching people about empathy and why it's so important. And it was just, it's just natural for me. But I think yeah. that unless we really understand how a situation or how something uh, makes someone else feel, and I'm not saying to feel sorry for them or anything like that, but understanding right. the challenges and the struggles and the impact it has on their, their, not just their work life, but their personal life. Yeah. To me, that's, that's empathy. I love that. Why do you think it's hard for leaders to practice empathy or to use it as a leadership skill? Well, I, most of my work is in the construction space and the blue collar space. Love it. And I would say that it comes across as weak and wimpy. Mm -hmm. And so there is a slice of humble pie that a lot of these leaders have not eaten yet <laughs> to say, hey, this is an effective, because it's a it's an incredibly effective tool to have yeah. empathy in the workplace um, and in construction because it's not common. And so mm, I love that. When I, when I do show empathy towards someone else's situation, it's, it's different. And people yeah. like different. Yeah. And I think that in the, in the construction space, in the trades, uh, you just got to tough it up. I mean, it's 96% of blue collar is men. Yeah. And so empathy is like a, a soft skill thing. Like we don't do that here. Right? Yeah. Well, we still refer to it as a soft skill, which I think right there is part of the inherent problem with, you know, even just wanting to pick it up and try it on and, yeah. and give it a try. If we called it a power skill or, you know, something a little <laughs> bit different, people might be more inclined to go, hey, let me try that on and see. Um, and I love what you said about it being a tool because I, I see empathy the same way. I don't think it's the only tool in our leadership toolbox. Mm -hmm. I think it's one, though, um, I think it's a staple. Um, and I think it's one that we too often set aside and, and don't 
lean in with. So can you tell us about a time um, when you either saw empathy in action or used it yourself and like what happened? Because I think this is this is really the point of this show is to to highlight like this is the situation. This is how we used empathy and this is the outcome that happened. Well, I, I would love to continue the example I talked about with my yeah. workshop yesterday. And, uh, you know, we at Core Matters, we help these companies really attract, not hire, not, not necessarily recruit, but attract people to them. And I have this saying mm-hmm. that if you're not attracting good people, you're probably not attractive to good people. And one of the things that brought up in the the workshop yesterday was the fact that most employers have a responsibility to make the recruiting and the hiring process easier for people. And the response I always get right off the bat is like, no, they're coming to work for me. I need to know that they're going to show up on time. That they're going to do this. They're going to do this. Like we're going to run them through the ringer to make sure that they're qualified to work here. Yep. And I said, let's do this for a second. Now, I always talk to entrepreneurs and leaders. Most of the time, they haven't switched jobs recently. Okay. And so I'll ask them, I'll say, think back to the last time you looked for work. If maybe it was 20 years ago, how'd that make you feel? Oh, it sucks. Nobody calls me back. They play all these games. There's all this stuff. You know, my wife's on me. Like, can you just get a new job already? Like, what, what, you know, why aren't you moving faster? And as the employer, we dismiss that. And we just say, you know what, yeah. Looking for work, it's part of being a grown up. deal with it. But what we don't understand is that every day they wake up, they're either going to a job that makes them feel like garbage or where they feel like they're not valued. They've got a spouse or a partner that's on them about, hey, you need to stop coming home angry and upset or disengaged. You need to go find something new. They've, they're applying after applying after applying and nobody gets back to them. Mm-hmm. And then finally, someone does notice them and says, hey, now you got to go through my gauntlet right. before I decide that you're the right fit for me because I don't really care about you. I care about my needs. Then they got to go home and say, hey, I got rejected again today. And then the spouse and partner is like, well, if you don't get this done soon, I don't know how we're going to pay rent. Like, Think yeah. about all the things that a job seeker is going through. Yeah, they're already running the gauntlet, right? Just in your brief description. I mean, just in like 30 seconds there, if you're listening to this, like you can feel what that person's going through because it just takes you right back there, right? And and I brought that up. And at the end of the at the end of the workshop, I had one guy, he goes, you know what? He goes, My big takeaway was I have never spent any time thinking about what the job seeker is going through. Mm. And so I built a process for me. But now I get why it's so important to build a process for them. I mean, we say that our process is employee first. Yeah. It's all about them and making things easier for them because they already got enough on their plate. I don't need to be adding to it. And I think that when we acknowledge that and say, okay, I get it now, it's still tough for leaders to say, hey, you know what? I want to empathize. I get it. I know what it feels like. And they're like, no. They're coming to work for me. They're adults. They need to figure it out. Like, hold on, you're missing the point. But we have this circular conversation. And then what they do is they go do it our way one time. And they're like, where did this person come from? They're amazing. They're engaged. They're calling me back. They said all the right things in the interview. I was like, because you actually put yourself out there and said, I know what you're going through. And I want to make this as easy as possible for you. 
Excellent. And so, yeah, what what is your advice for for employers looking to attract best talent? Because I mean, in the construction space, that's a real it's a real challenge right now, right? In North America, we have a, a definite labor shortage in in the trades and and in the construction space. What advice would you have if somebody's listening to this and they're like, okay, so how would I go about making a process or, you know, what's the first step to putting the job seeker first? Well, I think the first thing you need to do is identify who the right person is. Mm. Who, what, what is the right behavioral profile, mindset, background of the right person? The person that's going to belong, that feels like they're going to belong at your company. And then you need to go become the company. Maybe it's just, and maybe it's just marketing. Maybe it's just websites and social media and pictures, but you need to present yourself as the company that would attract those types of people. Right. Now that's talking the talk. You still got to walk the walk. Yeah. Right? When they show up, you still have to demonstrate that you are that. But I think if you look at some of the things culturally, we are the loneliest generation in the history of the world. Yet we are the most connected generation in the history of the world. It, yeah. I got thousands of friends online. Right? Yeah. We wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't for online. So, yeah. so yeah. I mean, we're, we're the most connected generation in the history of the world, but we're also the loneliest generation in the history of the world. We are the, the largest fatherless generation in the history of the world. So we don't have male role models for so many kids these days. Think about the things that that does to a generation of workers. And then think about what is it that we could do as the employer or as their leader or as their mentor or their coach yeah. to fill in some of the gaps, some of the basic human needs connection, some of the basic human needs. How do we fulfill those things by being an employer of choice, I like to say? Yeah. I love that. Um, and I think, I think you're right. I think, you know, I'm just reflecting in this conversation on a lot of my hiring experiences and not being hired or being hired, not hiring people, um, in the course of my career. And you're right. It is, it's there. It's like, you're running this personal gauntlet to get the new job. And then you're running the corporate gauntlet to get the new job. And it's, it can be very, um, very taxing. Like we teach, uh, one of the things we teach is Everybody will tell me that the best people are already working for somebody else. Mm. So if they want to hire somebody, that person usually has a job to quit. And I say, okay, we'll stop for a second. You offer this person the job. You're excited. They're excited. You give them a two weeks out or a week out start date. What has to happen now? Put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. They have to walk out of there, go sit in the car and think to themselves for a moment, did I make the right decision? What's my spouse going to say? Oh my gosh, how's my boss going to take it? Right. What now about I got to have friend? a difficult conversation. Yeah. What about the friends that I'm leaving? Like this is real now. Yeah. The friends that I'm leaving at work. What if this person that just hired me is not even as good as my current job or my current mm -hmm. boss? What if they're worse? All yeah. of they're flooded with all of these emotions. Yeah. And then what we do as employers is we say, well, that's their problem to deal with. Yeah. And then we're mad at them when their boss offers them a dollar more an hour to not go through that. And when yeah. we're like, oh, see, nobody's, nobody's loyal. Nobody has work ethic anymore. It's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. What can we do to support them knowing that they're about to go through another gauntlet? 
They yeah. offer, you offered them the job, but now all the things that have to happen in construction, especially if you hit the pay cycle the wrong way, you might go two or three weeks without a paycheck. Exactly. And a lot of these guys in the field, they don't know how to budget money that long. No. So think about all of the things that are, are stacked against them. And then we just turn them loose. Half the time, we don't even give them an offer letter to actually say it's real. We just yeah. handshake, be here next it's Monday. Like a, yeah, exactly. And then- And then we send them out. But what if instead of that, we said, hey, you know what? You got to go tell your boss, don't you? They're like, yeah. How are you feeling about that? I don't know how he's going to take it. He might walk me out. He might yell at me. He might offer me $2 more an hour. Like all these things are running through their head. What if we spent five minutes just rehearsing that just so you felt a little comfortable? Like let's role play it for a minute. So you can feel like going in there confident. You give them a little bit of skills. Because remember, most people aren't good at quitting jobs. That's why they ghost you. That's why they walk off the job site. They don't want to talk to you about it. They want to avoid it. So let's give them some new skills. And then when you're done, say, so when are you going to tell your boss? Oh, tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock. As soon as the team huddle's done, I'm going to let him know. Imagine if he got a text message from you at 6.45. This says, I'm still pumped to have you on the team. I can't wait. Good luck. By the way, if he walks you off the job site, call me. I'll get you started early. Yeah. Imagine they got that tech. What would that do for their confidence, for their self-esteem, for their ability to not choke in that moment? Yeah. And how hard is that to do? Yeah. And that's what I love about this example. It's very specific, but it's also, there's a couple of really great spots where that's, you are truly leading with empathy, right? You're thinking about what are they going to do when they sit in their car after this interview and I've made this offer? How are they going to feel? And how can I support them through that, right? You're not, it's not a messy emotional thing. It doesn't have to be. I think that's a, I think that's one of the big fears that stops us as leaders from, from engaging with empathy is, is we're like, oh gosh, somebody's going to cry in my office. (laughs) Guess what? Tears aren't, tears aren't the end of the world. We can deal with that. Um, but, but really just leaning into what might this person be going through? This is what I heard you say is like, what might this person be going through? Where might they get tripped up, mm-hmm. you know, in, in making this move and taking these next steps? Um, so that, that five minute kind of coaching conversation after the offer is made to help them, you know, think about how they're going to approach the difficult conversation. Cause like you said, that's what people are going to avoid, right? They're going to avoid having to have conflict of any kind and quitting a job is potentially a conflict Mm-hmm. situation. Um, and they're also going to be prepared when they get that counter offer or they get, you know, something else and really maybe be able to anchor into the moment. Why are they leaving and why, what, what is the real reason? Cause yeah. money can be enticing in the moment, but there's a lot of research out there that shows even if you stay for more money in about six, I think the stats are like four to six months. It's the, the effect has worn off and you're kind of right back where you were. Um, there's a deeper reason why you were looking for work in the first place. And, and to that point, that's why you should never keep somebody with more money Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they'll raise their standard of living. They'll spend it. They'll do whatever they want to do with it. And then that's their new normal, but they're still unhappy. They're still unhappy. Yeah. And you're still at risk of losing them. Um, and I also love the example of just sending that new hire, like the text message around like, Hey, how can I support you? I'm excited call me, you know, and really showing, because that is where we then 
talk the talk, right? That is putting it in motion. Like if we're going to say we're going to support you, if we say we're going to be there for you, this is what that really means. And it's in these very small moments. Mm-hmm. I think what I'm, what I'm learning, um, you know, in the work that I'm doing and in, in the number of clients that I'm seeing is we think empathy is going to be this like, you know, big thing we have to do. And it's actually two to three minutes at a time in very small moments. Well, where it has the biggest impact. Until I got your prep email for this show today, I would have never thought that what I'm doing is teaching empathy. <laughs> right? It's I, yeah. I don't use the word. And, and right. partly because it's not well accepted in the construction. Totally. Um, yeah. But, you know, I've, I've found a way to get people to eat their broccoli by sprinkling a little cheese on it, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but that's what they're doing. It's just like, let's think about what this person has to go through. Um, and so, yeah, and I think that's a great takeaway too for listeners. Like if you're having a, a very adverse reaction to the word empathy, because some people do, just think about what that other person across the desk is going through for just three or four minutes and how can you support them through that? And it's amazing to me, the more that I do this... And the more I hear these stories about these job seekers and what the employers are going, the more I realize that situations aren't really that unique. Yeah. And odds are, if you're sitting on this side as the employer, you've probably gone through something similar. Maybe it wasn't looking for a job. Maybe it was with a friend or someone you were dating or it was a neighbor or something. You've probably been in a similar situation. And you've probably felt the same things they're feeling. So you don't have to say, well, I've never applied for a job like this before. I don't get what they're going through. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah you, do. yeah, you do. Yeah, I love that. So what do you have any practices that you engage in to really be able to do that, to put yourself in other people's shoes? Because that's not, um, it's not easy for everyone right? To think about what someone else might be going through. So do you have any personal practices or anything that you recommend to clients um, to be able to start to do that? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's something that it, it's really interesting. I took the Clifton Strengths Finder and empathy oh, is yeah. like 33 on my list. It's um, number two on my list. I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> um, it's it's at the end of my list and, and every, all my team's like, yep, Yep. yep. <laughs> so you do have to work on this. I do have to work on this. It's tough for me. But what I can say is that uh, I have always been good at being able to see through someone else's lens. So not necessarily walk through their shoes, but be able to see it and recognizing that I have experiences, maybe not that one that can translate helps me. Uh, but I just I do think that it's about being intentional, though. Yeah, I have to because I'll forget if I'm not thinking about it, if I'm not intentional, if I don't set up traps to remind me uh, that I need to pause and go, what are they going through? Mm. I won't do it. So talk to me more about traps. Yeah. Set up traps to to remind you. What do those look like? Yeah. So it might be putting a note in a uh, for me, it might be putting a note into a customer's file. So every time I come in there, I open it up and it's like just says TLC. (laughs) Just make sure that, you know, you you handle it with kid gloves because you don't know how they're going to react. It might be um, asking someone, you know, what what are the big wins, but what are the big challenges so they can set the stage for me? Like, what are they going through right now? One of the things that I've learned is that people don't like to share. And, uh, you know, I have have a friend that uh, he'll joke, you know, everybody asks, so 
so how, how's your day? How you doing? And what's her? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. He's like, life sucks. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> right? They're not even listening. Yeah. They're not even listening. We're just like, how was your day? Okay, good. Let's move on. Pleasant you know, we've already got the, done. Let's get to business. And yeah, I think we've already got the response just being, there. Just being in the moment and just listening and, and just reminding yourself that when you go into this situation, like I'm here to listen. Yeah. yeah. I love that. So set up the traps. I love the, the takeaway, you know, really is, is it is hard to do. And if it doesn't come naturally to you, you've got to set yourself up for success, right? Which is put those notes in a customer file, or maybe it's a sticky note on your computer that says, listen more, or, you know, yeah. actually respond to the, 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 the feedback you're getting on how was your day. Um, but something to remind you to, to just step into this for a few minutes. And I, I remember things really well too. So, I mean, I can go back to what it felt like when, um, I got mixed up in something that my boss was doing illegally that I had nothing to do with. Like I can think yeah. back to that and how that made me feel not having right. a voice, not being able to control the situation, not being, I mean, I think back to that and I was like, that's what it felt like. Yeah. So when you've got a superintendent that says, I don't care, we're behind on the project, ignore that safety stuff. I know what it feels like being a foreman to think I got to go tell my team, I don't care if you go home in one piece today because we're behind. Yeah. yeah. I know what that feels like. Now I've never been on a job site. I've never had that happen, but I've been in a situation that was similar. Similar. Where I was told to yeah. do something that I knew I shouldn't do, but we did it anyways because we were doing what we were told because that's how you do it in corporate. And it didn't end well. Mm. And I mean, that's not life and death. Like construction site, people literally die. It's life and death. It is life and death. Yeah. And then, is. you know, when I think about that and then, and then that every time I think about safety on a job site, I think about the fact that construction workers have this, their suicide rate is five times the national average. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because we don't take enough time to actually connect with people and they feel right? alone and they yeah. feel like they got no one they can go to. Yeah. So that's a whole nother that's a whole nother episode. Um, perhaps we will go there. Uh, thank you so much for being here. How can people reach you and find out more about what you do and the work that you're doing? Well, they can look me up on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn, but my website Excellent. where they can learn more about the work that we do is corematters.com. Excellent. And we will link both of those um, spots in the show notes for our listeners. Thank you, Ryan, for being here today and for the conversation. I think it was some excellent tips for our listeners to take away and start to practice empathy. Thank you. <laughs>